creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle! And the Leafs are moved again! Hey there. Welcome to the Nesson Bruins Podcast. I'm Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined as always by Nesson.com's Logan Mullen. Logan, how are you? Good. What's up, Mike? Uh, same stuff, different day, as they say, keeping yeah. it safe to work here. Um, we are in a, uh, a Groundhog Day holding pattern. Um, and I think today, you know, we we had some bad, uh, bad timing last week here on the Nesson Bruins Podcast. Awful. I Where feel like it's been I, awful a lot lately. I know. Yeah, we've been – we have not – and actually, it's – we should probably say we're recording this on a Wednesday. Uh, if I'm not it's mistaken – 3.09 p.m. Eastern, too, for when yeah. something inevitably breaks at about 5 o'clock tonight. Well, so today we're just going to – we're going to kick around and really dive into some of the scenarios that are being discussed in terms of resuming the NHL season uh, and kind of give a status update and try to get a little more in-depth on that, which we've tried to do the last few weeks – uh and, and we did last week and like i said bad timing pretty much as soon as we finished recording uh it seemed like an avalanche of news came out in terms of uh where the status was and, and all of that and this stuff you know changes almost daily uh it certainly changes weekly uh we will get into our conf- confidence pool poll confidence poll uh in terms of how we where we're at with the uh, things returning um, but that's just going to continue to change, I think, uh, until we really get some hard news, whether it's a cancellation or a plan to resume. That being said, uh, I think the the current quarantine order is through or until May 1st, if I'm not mistaken, for the NHL. So yeah. we're actually timing ourselves out here pretty poorly in just to start because April is just about over and we will get formal announcement fairly soon in terms of what the next steps are. But reports are indicating that the expectation is um, the quarantine or the self-quarantine will extend into mid-May. I know Darren Drager said that on TSN's Insider Trading uh, earlier this week. So let's just, I guess, operate under that assumption. Is that we're, yeah, we're well, on you, there's, the, there's the two other reports too, right? The Larry Brooks New York Post one that said, some team out there has already told their team, be ready to report May 15th. And then you had the – John Scott tweet that basically said June first expect teams back in training camp. So yeah. I almost I almost put a little bit more credence into the John Scott one. I don't know if he was just trying to see if he could dupe people, but so that but it's a good it, it's a I am I'm, I'm with you because I think it's it everything is going toward that right now right like right that seems to be the plan in place without formally being in place. Uh, the, the question is going to be is when May 13th, 14th, 15th rolls around, where are we there? And maybe this will, we'll get an indication of that a week before as you know, the league maybe realizes, Oh, well, this is not going to work. And well, you're, you're going to have an issue here in Massachusetts. Right. Say a home order just got extended to May well, 18th. And that was going to be my next point is Sportsnet's Chris Johnson reported. Uh, he was tweeting about, the, I think this, he was tweeting Tuesday. Uh, he said uh, there continues to be hope and belief among teams that the facilities could start opening for small group skates as soon as May 15th. And to your point, I mean, it's three days. If Let's just say he's right. Let's say that's where the NHL is. And let's say they say, go ahead on May 15th. It costs the Bruins at least three days. It does. And the, maybe, maybe you look at a situation where it is like captain's practices. Right. Where, 
you can have informal so, skates in the middle of May and then legitimate training camps restart in June, in June 1st or mid-June or whenever. But yeah, it's having, it, it does beg the question about competitive advantage versus disadvantage. Right. Like should, you know, should the Bruins be in a bad position because the Panthers are able to practice or the Lightning right. are able to practice or whatever. But um, I, I think that you, we may see the self-quarantine matter lifted uh in mid-may but i don't necessarily think that means that teams are back practicing that day well it'll be interesting too like you could say you know that may 15th date that johnson's thrown around a lot of other people have thrown around maybe that does become may 18th you know let's just let's push this to you know the 15th is a friday the 18th is a monday if i'm not mistaken don't quote me on that but i think you're right so let's just push it to the 18th everybody starts fresh on a monday and that coincides with Massachusetts, which, you know, for being honest, you know, selfishly from a, a Bruins podcast standpoint, that's where we're most invested. But I also think you're dealing with the best team in the league, at least yeah, what yeah. you had before. So let's just, let's go May 18th as, you know, we'll do a hard reset on that Monday. I also wonder, this is something I was thinking about. Like, so let's say Rhode Island or, because Rhode Island is actually doing a very good job in terms they of yeah. they've, the testing numbers are high. Uh, they, they're uh, positive, uh, positive infection case rate is pretty low, uh, which is exactly what you're going for, right? Is like a nice high percentage of tests and a low infection rate. So let's just say they continue to do well. Everything's opened up there. What's the stop, uh, you know, a handful of Bruins go from going, going down 95, getting, yeah, go to the dunk or just finding ice down there. So I wonder if that'll start happening at some point just to get a skate in because uh, you, you don't, I mean, I don't seriously, you know, stop and think about it as much as I probably should that like um, basketball and hockey, like you have to be at your, your place to really practice what you do. Right. You know what I mean? Like you can go out, if you play baseball, you can go out and play catch in the backyard. And I, I assume, or I, I suppose, you know, ho- uh, basketball players can go out and shoot hoops. But like, if you live downtown Boston, where are you going to shoot hoops? Yeah. And same thing with hockey. So, like, these guys literally have not done anything other than Peloton races and maybe some, you know, relatively simple off-ice work. So Yeah, well, that's what everyone said, too, is you can't judge how quickly it will take them to get back until you get guys on the ice. And that's what makes this different than anything else is the fact that even during the offseason, when guys have – X amount of months off, depending on where their season ended, they still had the opportunity to find ice and ramp up skating when they needed to. Unless you're living in Sweden right now, most guys right. don't have that opportunity. Or yeah, exactly. That's like the weird thing about this entire pandemic and what it's done is like, you know, you talk about it uh, financially, how it affects teams, how it affects broadcast partners, how it affects uh, the economy near the rink et cetera, et cetera. Like at least in a lockout, those things can continue to go on. Right. You find other way. Everything's at a standstill right now. So this is just full stop. And that kind of changes the entire uh, tenor of it as well. Yeah. Well, and I got news for you too. Even if things open back up and the league says, all right, May 15th, everybody come back. You mean to tell me there's not going to be travel issues for a guys coming from Canada and B on a larger scale guys that may have gone home to Russia or Europe or wherever. I mean, I don't think it's going to be a smooth process getting back over. I, I don't know that for sure, but I have a very hard time envisioning guys who went back to Sweden are able to, especially where there were effectively 
no barriers right. or no restrictions that it's just going to be like, yep, come on back, you know, with nary a worry. Yeah, which is interesting, too, because, like, everybody thought that the, the Swedish guys were going to be ahead of the game because they've been skating, uh, you know, over there without many restrictions. But, yeah, if they come back, I imagine there'd be some sort of quarantine period. And that's assuming they can get back because it's just – right. Uh, it, it, you know, Don Fear made this point. I forget uh, with whom he was speaking, but uh, he even pointed out, you know, the American-Canadian border. There are issues right now, too. Yeah. You can't go back and forth from Canada and America. So that's going to have to be, you know, relaxed at some point as well. Uh, you also look at the uh, – you know, using the NBA as an example, which is I think the NHL seems perfectly content laying out and waiting for the NBA to make yeah. – uh, to lead the, the way on this one which is whatever. I understand that to, to an extent, but uh, I don't know if you saw just the, the protocols that are going to be established or, you know, are being considered for that May 8th return for the NBA or whenever it is uh, and saying, you know, you're going to have only a certain amount of guys uh, in the, in the facility at once. Uh, you're going to be tested before you come in or take your temperature in the parking lot, come in, you know, guys can't work out together uh you know the i think it was the ball boys have to wear gloves and are disinfecting their sneakers that's a lot and i imagine the nhl is going to face similar hurdles Mm -hmm. absent of testing uh high volume testing this is going to be extremely difficult and i think even me who's been a a pessimist throughout this entire thing is kind of underestimate how difficult this is going to be yeah well i think we all understood it at a surface level and then once you start itemizing everything, right. it's like, well, crap, I didn't realize, like, even as vast as we all thought it probably was going to be, I don't think, it, until you put pen to paper and look, list everything out, you realize just how, I guess, tedious yeah. this is going to end up being, and difficult to enforce, too, um, especially if you, I mean, use the example of guys going to neighboring states if they have the option, you know, what if New Jersey opens before New York? you know things like that i mean the bruins aren't the only ones that could potentially benefit from that um it it's going to be challenging to enforce no matter what but it just depends on how hell bent they are on getting the season finished and i've i forget if it's specifically the nhl part of me wants to think the uh nhl uh, is it bill daly is said that um it was I, I think, I don't want to misquote him, but it was something to the effect of one positive test isn't necessarily going to shut the entire league yeah, down. Yeah, even said multiple positive tests won't Right. I guess if, if the NHL decides that they want to finish this season out, they, short of hell on earth, they, they pretty much have to finish it. Like, if they're going to commit themselves to doing that, and it sounds like with comments like that, they're attempting to lay the groundwork to say – this isn't March. Like, if, if one player tests positive, we'll effectively put them on injured reserve, and they won't right. play, and they'll be away from the team. But otherwise, it would be far more – I don't want to say catastrophic, but detrimental to the NHL's image if they resume the season, too many players test positive again, and they cancel it then than just outright canceling it right now. I actually don't have a problem with them saying if one or two guys or three, whatever, however that number is, if those guys, if, if a handful of guys test positive or not shutting this down, I have no problem with them saying that. Like, I don't think that's callous or anything. Like if, as long as people smarter than the hockey executives are saying it's okay to do this, then God bless you. Go right. nuts. 
it's it might look terrible you know what i mean if because you're gonna get these people on twitter who i've uh i've given way too much attention to you know just the replies to all these people you know the replies to the reporters uh, who just all, no matter what the news is say you know what just cancel the season just cancel what's the point uh i don't like those people because it's like well let's at least try um but this is that you know if one guy one guy tests positive that's fuel for that crowd that says what are we even doing here yeah. i think that's the wrong way to look at it that's just my personal opinion so i i applaud the nhl to that standpoint but there will be i imagine there's got to be something that you know the cdc or whomever is going to say you know if this gets to a certain point we you guys got to cut it short and you're right that's worse than what they're at right now i think yeah well and i think we're going to potentially reach a point too where i am sure the league has a hard date in mind for when they have to have a decision by yeah, similarly to, we hear with baseball all these reports that like they want to have some sort of idea in place by, you know, hopefully mid to late May or whatever, the Jeff Passan report or the Bob Nightingale one, whatever. I think the NHL, even if it hasn't gotten out yet, has some sort of idea about when they would like to have things going on. And as we've said from the beginning, they don't need to cancel right now. Like they don't need to make a decision right now. You look at where we are here on what's today, April 29th versus where we were a month and a half ago. And you have, you know, states all across the country whose curves are either flattened or declining. Yeah. It's just, where are we going to be June 1st? Where are we going to be mid-June? Like, if the league is intent on playing, restarting games as far down the road as July 1st, then they would be silly right now to make some yep. sort of sweeping decision. So I don't think they're under any obligation to make – any sort of move right now and I think they are perfectly content to just sort of let things come to them and say okay look at every NHL city and there's going to be at least a two-week period with sharp decline or a steady decline by June 1st June 15th whenever and say we'll we'll go from there but I think it would it would not be a wise business decision right now to just I get the optics might look better if they're like, you know what, there are things bigger than sports right now. Totally, totally understand if they wanted to take that approach, but there's too much money for them involved for them to just do that. And I think it would not be a prudent business decision for them on April 29th. Really any time before June 1st, I don't think it would be prudent of them to say, we're not doing this. I think we have a long time before we start to see any sort of movement towards the nothing's happening. Yeah, we're definitely – it feels like – I would say we've made positive progress, right, in the last six weeks. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's a really – ways, right? It's gotten significantly yeah. worse, but at the same time, it's right. been a six-week sample size. So while yeah. it has gotten worse, in, in many respects, it has gotten better. Yeah, I was going to say, if 60,000 people have died, I don't want to marginalize that, but no. um, it feels like, but then again, I mean, there's gonna be plenty of people to say, all right, fine. But once we loosen everything, we're going to go right back to where we were. So yeah. who knows? I think the testing thing is a huge thing that they're going to have to figure out as well. And maybe you get, you know, some momentum here in early May that makes that uh, picture a little clearer, but like, how do you think uh, May is like the most important month in the history of American sports at this Probably. rate, you know, in the collective and at least collectively speaking, it's up there, at least in the recent memory where, you know, I think by Memorial Day, you're going to have to have decisions made across the board. 
uh, yeah. because it's just going to take a while to, to figure out the logistics and it's going to take a while to get going, especially if for a sport like hockey, where you're getting, you're plucking players back from across the, all over the world. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind as well. But I did, and one last point I wanted to make is not even my own point, but it was brought up by Darren Drager who said, uh, you know, the cost analysis discussion is going to be have to had at some point where it's like, are you even losing, you know, you're losing money at, a, you know, at what point do you say, you know, we're going to lose more money by trying to put this all together and, you know, the investment that you're going to have to make uh, in terms of getting this going again, is that going to be, you know, higher than the money you're going to make off the TV deals? I think it's, it's a, it's an interesting point. Cause like there's going to be it no is. Game, so. Yeah. Well, and I think that you have to play the long game with this too. Like you look at the trickle down effect and you say, okay, well, we probably would, Lose, not lose money but it might be you know i don't know they, if you're playing games without fans your total revenue probably is not going to be through the roof but if the the tv deal's coming up right the yeah. american tv deal with nbc like that's coming up soon you'd think about escrow for the players you think about it's, too, yeah. yeah you think about the salary cap like you need to tell me if players find out that the escrow is going up to like 30 percent that they're not going to say, you know what, figure it out. We'll play it in front of fans. And the, all of a sudden you become far more amenable to playing under less than ideal circumstances. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's like 400 to $500 million at stake for playoff related revenue that they can make. Yeah. Which at high. least for TV, my understanding is that almost all of their TV revenue comes from the playoffs. Oh, that makes – yeah, I guess that makes like, sense. Like regular season telecasts nationally are means – Right, I mean, because it's a national TV deal. I, as, a, as a loyal uh, employee of a regional sports network, I am curious to find out how that is involved at some point here, whether, you know – I mean, Nesson would get – well, did we – you get the – yeah, we get the first round. You yeah. Know, so you, I wonder if they the would Regional, the RSNs get the quarterfinal. Like, I've, I've made this – Yeah, before. quarterfinal, yeah. The conference first round now, yeah. Um, it would be interesting to kind of maybe extend that around if you can and just do in market. You can watch it on your RSN to kind of give some some love back to the RSNs there. But, yeah, you know, you wouldn't catch me fighting that. Yeah, I know. The NHL could also say, well, you got 75 games in. So, you know, it's not that big of a deal. It's all up in the air. All right. Uh, the most important part of our podcast, uh, what is your confidence level? One to 10, 10 being. So I've back. been hovering at a four for a long time, a four or five. I think I'm up. I think I'm at like a seven. Whoa. I, I, th I think they're trying. Again, this doesn't reflect what I think they necessarily should do. Everything I've heard over the last week with the John Scott stuff, the Larry yeah. Brooks stuff, they're going to figure this out. I think I, I serious right or wrong. I think they're figuring out a way to try and get this done by any means necessary. Um, and I just, I have a very hard time envisioning them not letting this happen just with how from the day they paused the season and sent out that release that their goal is still to give out the Stanley cup. I do not think they've wavered from that in the least bit. And understandably there were times over this past month where they, where things seemed highly unlikely that hockey would resume. I think now they're looking at this and saying, you know, we could push back next season, still get 82 games in and buy ourselves a lot of time, time that we think will allow things to get by comparison, more under control and allow them to play, even if it is in empty arenas or arenas with 
you know, a quarter capacity, what have you. I don't necessarily think it's the right thing to do, but I think they are very confident that this is, that they're going to make a, a postseason happen, if nothing else. I'm at a three. Are you really? Up, okay. Up That's from, up though, right? Up from a two and a half, I think. Yeah. Uh, for, for, you know, for those reasons, but I still think it comes down to testing uh, and it comes down to being able to logistically figure it out. And I know that they've had a lot of time and they, I know that they're willing to even go into August or September to finish the season. Yeah, Labor day. Um, but I don't know. I just, I, I do think for, especially for the NHL, you get to a certain point where they're going to be like, the, the money just doesn't work out enough for us to go through the hassle. So that's still where I'm at, but I think that's subject to change over the course of a week even. Cause again, this thing is so fluid at this point, who knows we get some with this call and all of a sudden, you know, the, the pharmaceutical world makes a breakthrough. Uh, maybe a therapeutic comes through, et cetera, et cetera. I saw, uh, you know, the president Oxford, is very, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They're working on a, a seek, top secret uh, vaccination uh, project, as it were. So who knows? But for now, I'm still, you know, I just haven't seen it. I, I hear all the speculation, but I feel like that also changes daily. So it's hard to take too much, put too much stock in that. So I'm not, I haven't heard anything that really puts me uh, in a much more positive light yet. So. Um, let's just assume real quick. Uh, they do restart in so what? When are the when are the playoffs going to start? Under your your seven confidence uh, mindset, um, I'd say July first. So that doesn't help the Bruins at all, does it? Well, that, here let's let's say this: a regular season, July third week of July, you or third week of June, June, yeah. finish up, and then playoffs are starting by July one. So the playoffs typically take. A, a little over two months, like right around two months, yeah. I'd say you're probably if, – if there isn't travel involved, then you can keep playing. Like if you have teams all in one space, it, right. typically what you're doing is sometimes you have two days in between games for travel, whatnot. You can probably expedite things a little bit, but July 1 through the end of August, like they, they could probably get that done. Yeah, so that, that this layoff probably doesn't help the Bruins though for – if we're being honest. So, like, I almost think if they just – if you get through the first round, they'll be okay because I think, like, maybe that's where the rest comes in is the older players, you know, this is a chance to freshen them up. But I just worry about them getting – being ready in time when this thing resumes, especially having an older team. Just something Brad Marchand even pointed out a couple of weeks ago on his Zoom call. I do wonder how much of that might be overstated. Like, look at it. Sure. I Honestly, guess I, not to say that David Krejci and Patrice Bergeron don't keep themselves in good shape, but I okay. A lot of people talk about the Bruins' age. I look at the 42-year-old or now 43-year-old, right, playing for the Bruins, and it's like the reason Zdeno Chara is still playing is one because his height helps, you know, yeah. cover any mistakes he might otherwise make. Also, the fact that he is a fitness freak and he has made his livelihood by being in impeccable shape and logging these massive minutes so even if he's been off the ice for a while I don't see Zidane Chara rolling up being in just appalling shape yeah. um, so it probably would take some of those guys a little longer to get going I, I don't necessarily dispute that notion in a vacuum but I think we might be overstating it a little bit whereas the Bruins I, I don't think they necessarily would have a humongous 
disadvantage because their team is a little bit older. Now, if the question becomes, well, what happens if you play some team that you finish the regular season, you play a team that had to sneak in and all of a sudden you get a red hot New York Rangers or Florida Panthers while you're just trying to find your footing, then, okay, that's a different conversation because weird things happen in the hockey playoffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. And we have no idea. This is so unprecedented that it's hard to have a, a take one way or another. So. Right. Um, all right, before we get out of here, uh, we have another uh, Bruins prospect update, courtesy of, well, you. Uh, yeah. You talked to uh, – why don't you tee up your uh, interview with uh, Jack Ashawn? Oh, taking over the uh, hosting duties. Oh, I just you, – you're the one who talked to him. I am. Talk? Yeah, I talked to Jack Ashawn, who is an undrafted college free agent that the Bruins signed. Uh, his draft year was 2017. He didn't get picked. Uh, but in the ensuing years, he became a pretty highly sought-after college free agent. Um, he actually – he shared a lot of interesting stories about the Bruins' courtship of him leading up to – the time that he actually signed with the Bruins. Uh, he's an undersized five foot eight, 185 pound puck moving defenseman, but everyone that I talked to and have seen says that the defensive area of his game very much rounded out well. Uh, he did play on at World Juniors back in, it was December 2016 into January 2017. That was the Charlie McAvoy team. Uh, in fact, Deshaun ended up being the only player on that team that did not get drafted to an NHL team. Uh, but he does have some connections within the organization. Uh, Tuka Rask, he shares an agent with McAvoy he played with uh, on Team USA. So very interesting guy, very interesting story. Um, so it's a pretty good interview. It's about 10, 11 minutes long, but he's an interesting guy. Delightful. Let's, uh, let's just uh... – wrap up our uh, our weekly get together with that interview uh so listen to that and uh, we'll be back again next week to uh pour over the small minute details uh and changes or who knows maybe there'll be uh huge news to discuss by this time who next week so i look forward to it uh so uh, enjoy the interview and uh, we'll see you again uh, right here next week It sounds like you might have had some options. So I guess what kind of drew you to or sold you on the Bruins? Um, I just the, – one of the bigger things was, uh, you know, how hard they were kind of on me the whole year. They had guys at every game, um, you know, watching me, uh, whether it was like – I know uh, Donnie Sweeney, he, he came to one of the home games in St. Cloud and it was a big, big blizzard snowstorm and he didn't even tell my agent – he was just kind of – he popped in and popped out and didn't really say anything. And then um, afterwards he told told my agent and was like, hey, watched him. And, he, you know, they, they don't have to really do that and, you know, put their effort into me. And just the way they were kind of leading it the whole way, um, the, their style of play obviously is, is fun to watch and um, kind of fits my game, you know, hard-nosed uh, defense and then, you know, like to, like to play with the puck on offense and – make plays and stuff like that. So I think it just kind of was a combination of all those things. And, um, yeah, I was, I was just so excited to, to be able to get the, get the job done with them. And I think they were just as excited as I was. Mm -hmm. So at what point did you start to realize that, you know, you might have some choices to make and that there was a good bit of NHL interest in you? Um, I think it really started my, the end of my junior year. Um, I, I didn't really go through the process as much as I did this year, but, 
there are a few teams interested after my junior season and uh, there's a few phone calls that were made um you know my my agent came up to St. Cloud and we kind of went through some some paperwork and just kind of showed me the depth charts and what teams need me where and stuff like that so it was it was really kind of a cool experience and it was helpful for me last year um to be able to be comfortable this year and and be able to talk to these guys on the phone because of the quarantine obviously it would have been nice to fly out and meet meet uh people face to face but in the end i think last year it really helped me um be comfortable this year and um you know talking on the phone and stuff like that it, it made it made myself really comfortable. <laughs> so your coach Brent Larson had told me that you're a pretty motivated guy. And one thing I'm curious to know is when your draft year was 2017, you didn't get picked in the aftermath of that. How did you kind of leverage that to use it as motivation? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess I never really kind of coming up, you know, kind of a late bloomer being an undersized guy. It wasn't, it wasn't really a big stab in the chest when I didn't get drafted in uh, 2017, but one of the biggest things that I thought of and my parents and my, my agent kind of went over was, Hey, now we get to pick wherever we want to go when you, when you do start turning some heads. And, um, that was the biggest thing for me. I always had that in the back of my mind where, you know, these teams who didn't draft me, it's, they're going to be, they're going to be wanting me when I come out as a free agent. And that was the case at the end. So it was, that's kind of the the motion that we, we kind of took forward is, you know, they're going to regret not, not taking me in that draft, but, even better, I get to I get to choose what team I want to go to, and I believe I took a took a really good chance. And my senior year had a good year, and then got the opportunity to, to pick the Bruins. Mm-hmm. Now the Bruins do have a pretty good track record with undrafted college free agents. Between right now, it's Tory Crew, Kevin Miller, and Carson Kuhlman. Is that at all? Uh, I guess a, a draw for you that you're going to a team that has success picking guys out of the college game. Yeah, that was another big reason why uh, the Bruins were kind of on my top list there. And um, I actually spoke to Carson, um, got to know him a little bit over the phone. And, you know, I talked to, to McAvoy, who I played with at World Juniors, and um, just kind of dug in a little bit of information out of those guys. And Tuka Rask, he's with my agency as well. So just kind of digging up all the information I could get. And, you know, their track record is, like you said, it's it's great with their college free agents. And um, that was one, one reason why, you know, if, if they've done it for for how many years with you know with crew being a free agent coming out of college there that was a, a big thing for me and my family and um you know when i when i do end up getting out there into boston and hopefully i can learn learn a lot of things and maximize my my ability to play it's it, it was definitely a big thing for me mm-hmm. now in terms of your game itself i guess first is there anyone that you model your game after yeah I mean, I always like to say, you know, a lot of the undersized defensemen, but Krug obviously has been in the league for, for quite a bit here, and I've been watching especially the Bruins, but him as well. Um, you know, whenever they're on TV, I like to I like to watch them and watch how Krug and Grizzik play, um, you know, being undersized. It's it's kind of fun watching them and their tendencies and seeing some similarities in their game. And, um, you know, maybe I see something that I've, I haven't really thought of doing on the ice, and I, I watch them do it and try it out in practice and then get comfortable once to try it in a game. It's it's something that's really helpful for me. And I, I mean, I really love watching the NHL and hopefully one day get to get to play, but that's a, that's a big thing for me is, you know, Tory crew watching him play, you know, undersized left shot defenseman. It's uh, it's pretty cool watching how, how he's kind of built his game over the, over the past few years in the NHL. Hmm. Now, a lot of people talk about your offensive game, but 
even your coach yesterday pointed out that your defensive game has really come around. Can you kind of give me, I guess, a scouting report on yourself and, you know, describe your style of play overall? Yeah, I think uh, one of my main points in my game are, you know, my, my hockey IQ, and that leads to even defensively without the puck, just being in the right position so you don't have to work too hard, whether it's in the D zone or the neutral zone, gapping up. Um, it's one of, one of the things I like to, to, like to kind of model my game around is, you know, try to skate forward as much as possible. And then, you know, when I have to skate backwards, it's, it's trying to gain that gap and, you know, transition. And then in the D zone, just trying not to lose those little battles, whether it's in front of the net or in the corner. Um, you know, if it's a big guy in the corner, maybe back off and, and play a little bit more defensively or even try to blow him up. I mean, I, it's kind of the best of both worlds with me is I've never really backed down from the battle. And, um, I think I've done that ever since I was a little kid. So that's uh, kind of a staple in my game. And then, um, offensively, you know, kind of a pass first guy, I like to make plays, um, you know, if the opportunity is there and I get put on a power play, I think I, I strive in that kind of environment. And, um, yeah, it's just, you know, try to model, I model my game a little bit more, um, cause the offense, the offensive, uh, talent is there and you know I've been really really working on my my defensive zone and neutral zone gaps and stuff like that so that's one area that I've been really working hard at now the Bruins yourself included now have a fair amount of left shot defensive prospects so how do you kind of view I guess what's your outlook on having some internal competition up and down the organization I think it's great um that's gonna you know make myself better as well as the organization um one thing that the Bruins said is you're not going to give, not going to get given anything. You're going to have to earn your opportunity. And I think ever since I was a little kid, it's, it's been, you know, you got to beat somebody out and um, that's what I'm going to try to do. And like I, like I said, it's, they're not going to, you know, just cause I signed with them. Um, they're not just going to give me an opportunity. I'm going to have to go into camp and, you know, work hard and show them what I got and hopefully earn a spot. And if not, you know, you're just gonna have to work hard and, um, that's what I've done all my life. So I think it's going to be a really fun experience for me and I'm looking forward to it. Now you've been to a few NHL development camps. What's been some of the feedback you've gotten during those and how have you kind of worked them into your game at St. Cloud? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of, a lot of the guys when I am at a, at a camp or something like that, it's um, you know, they, they see the offensive side of me and then it's, it's more so like, they're kind of surprised with how hard I defend in the D zone and um, just even little puck battles. It's it's kind of cool and encouraging to, to hear those things, but that also makes me want to work harder and, and you know battle even harder for these guys telling me that I do battle hard. So it's uh, it's something you know I've been to four camps and um, all great experiences with teams and um, you know just hearing hearing that kind of stuff from NHL whether it's the coaches or it's like. Uh, personnel there it's really cool that he as well it's it's more encouraging that I can you know get into the organization with Boston and you know hear this every day and work on the skills that I need to work on and I think that's one thing that that I'm looking forward to is just kind of being a sponge and learning from these guys and and players around the league where I can really become the the player that I really want to be now what's an off season typically look like for you and you know I know a lot of things are uncertain right now with the pandemic but what's your off season going to look like now that you're done with school and you're joining the pro ranks yeah so ever since I was probably I'd say 15 I was working you know hockey camps or little things like that working on baseball fields and this summer it's going to be nice where I can 
really just focused on hockey and, and training and skating and stuff like that. So um, I usually got my work done um, earlier in the day and then worked out and skated later and maybe would have been a little tired as, as uh, you know, getting done with a, like a five-hour shift or something like that. So this summer it's it's going to be, you know, work out in the morning, skate at skate after that, and then, you know, have the rest of the day to whether I want to, you know, train more or maybe go golfing or something like that. It's going to really open up my schedule. And um, that's one thing I'm looking forward to is, is being able to really focus on just hockey this summer. Mm-hmm. Now, last one I have for you, when I was doing a little background research, one thing I stumbled upon was your excitement to visit Fenway Park a few years ago. Uh, can you yeah. tell me a little bit about your experience there in Boston as a whole? Yeah, so I've I've been a huge baseball fanatic ever since I was a little kid. It was always baseball and hockey, and then um, my, my ju- after my junior year, I had to pick one um, going to Cedar Rapids the following year, you know, just kind of focusing more on hockey, and when I, I think it was my junior junior year we got to go out and play bc and northeastern and uh, got the opportunity to go out to fenway and just all the history at that at that field and you know the movies that are there and um just all the all the history that the the red Sox have had there you know being a championship team it's it was just overwhelming for me i'm taking pictures i was telling people like how much i wanted to be there and how i you know when i was a little kid i always wanted to play play on a major league baseball field and stuff like that so it was like a little kid in the candy store when i when we got out there and it was uh, just an amazing experience and very grateful that i got to have the opportunity to do that